Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for January 11th, 2023. I'm very grateful for each and every one of you that have listened to my Bible study and reflection podcast for the last, oh gosh, almost going on three years now. I truly believe when God's Word is sent out, it never returns empty. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would enable us to act out of love and kindness and respect for others, and to not look for or expect earthly recognition for our deeds. Help us to be good students, and help us to become good teachers, as we set examples for others through our thoughts, words, and deeds. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so why is it so hard to stay the course on our long-term projects, even when we are certain that the advantages of sticking to it will far outweigh the more immediate benefits of putting them off? Well, you want the answer? The answer is instant gratification. Instant or immediate gratification is a term that refers to the temptation and resulting tendency to forego a future benefit in order to obtain a less rewarding but more immediate benefit. When you have a desire for something pleasurable, whether it's food or entertainment, I doubt that you rarely think thoughts like, my stomach is rumbling and I would love to eat that delicious food, uh, but I'd rather wait another hour. It's a natural human urge to want good things and to want them now. At the heart of instant gratification is one of the most basic drives inherent to humans, the tendency to see pleasure and avoid pain. The pleasure principle is a term originally used by Sigmund Freud to characterize that tendency of where people seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. Freud argued that people sometimes go to great lengths to avoid even momentary pain. And I would argue that this applies to emotional pain as well as physical pain. The emotional drain caused by efforts to make a difference in someone's life can be tremendous especially if you think you are solely responsible for affecting that change in someone. Since this is a Bible study, let's take a look at the example of discipling someone. That takes effort. We know that Jesus had 12 disciples. Disciples are defined as students or pupils, and one definition said disciples are learners. In the case of Jesus and his 12 disciples, he was actively discipling them by example and by word. He was discipling them through his parables about the kingdom of heaven, and at the same time, he was introducing them to God. During one of his times of teaching, Jesus was asked by his disciples, and I'm paraphrasing here, how do we get to meet God? The disciple John recorded the answer Jesus gave his disciples. Our first reading comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 5 through 9. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Okay, so that answers the question for the disciples of Jesus. He basically said, you've met God because I am God. So how do we meet God? Well, the same way the disciples met God, through getting to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so how do we do that? You know, we've talked about this so many times before, but the simple answer is through God's Word. Listen to the words in this one short verse of John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You might be wondering where I'm going with this since I started off with a little rambling about instant gratification. Well, I'd like for you to consider the fact that discipling takes time. It does not happen in an instant. In order to disciple someone, you must first be a disciple. Remember, a disciple is someone that is learning. And in the case of a Christian, we are learning about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember the tagline for Bible Project? The Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Through God's living word, we are establishing a relationship with Jesus, and he is establishing one with us. At St. Paul's Lutheran Church, we have a vision statement that really sums up discipling in a very succinct way. Learning, loving, living God's Word. You know, I guess we could learn it and not necessarily love it. It would be really difficult, I think. But if we do learn it and love it, then in and through the Holy Spirit, we will begin living it. Again, listen to John's words, the book of John, chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Actually, Jesus speaking here, as John recorded it. Jesus answered her, and this is about the woman at the well. If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Here's what commentator Richard Linsky has to offer on that passage. And I quote, This reply of Jesus answers both questions in the mind of the woman and answers them squarely, adequately, first regarding the kind of water he has in mind, secondly regarding the person he is. This water is spiritual, not material, heavenly, not earthly permanent, not transient. 
and thus it helps to reveal who the great giver of such water really is. The proposition is self-evident. Everyone that drinks of this water shall thirst again. No material water exists that quenches thirst forever. While Jesus' word refers only to the material water in Jacob's well, the inference lies close at hand that nothing material is able to quench the thirst of the soul permanently. And this is implied by the contrast which deals with the spiritual water that Jesus gives, end quote. Now, if we choose to share the good news of Jesus Christ, we will be sharing that spiritual water, in essence, that Christ shares with us. Don't worry about using it all up because he has an endless eternal supply. We do have a choice to share or not to share. To be a Christian witness and disciple through others, our words and deeds, or just hold on to the spiritual water. You might think the effort is just not worth it because, well, you don't see immediate results. But I truly believe that if our thought process is that way, we are not trusting God. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is about trust in God and patience for him to work on his schedule, not ours. This comes from 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Recently, I was in a meeting with four of our church leaders. We each shared stories and memories of people that were, and in some cases are still, positive influences in our faith journeys. Some shared stories about their mothers, some about their fathers. One mentioned a father-in-law, several mentioned grandmothers, and even close friends. Jesus shares his living water with us so we can share his love with others and have a positive faith-based influence on them. Or we could end up like the Dead Sea. Our choice, share it or hold it. Did you know that the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee? And that's really a misnomer because the Sea of Galilee is fresh water and full of all kinds of aquatic life. As the fresh water flows down the Jordan River and it journeys southward, it picks up minerals and salt as it flows into, but not out of because there is no outlet, the Dead Sea. The water in the Dead Sea supports no aquatic life, and it evaporates at a very rapid rate. In 1950, the Dead Sea was approximately 50 miles in length, and today it's only 30 miles long. Water levels are falling at an average rate of 3 feet per year. The rate of evaporation is greater than the annual rainfall, which is only 2 to 4 inches in that region on an annual basis. When Jesus quoted the scriptures about the rivers of living water, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Jordan River is like the Holy Spirit, bringing nutrients to our soul, but the outcome of lives depends on whether we want to be the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea. 
It is up to us to determine whether or not we are willing to have a positive influence on others by living a Christ-like life, even knowing that we may not see the results of that positive influence or be thanked in our lifetime. Either way, be a positive or a negative, we are making a difference in the lives of others through our actions. Discipling is more of a marathon than a sprint, and we may never see the results of our discipling, but it certainly is worth it. There are certainly people in my life that had a wonderful influence on my faith journey that unfortunately passed away before I could thank them. I'm glad they weren't looking for instant gratification and immediate results. I'd like to share a poem with you that I saw recently on social media, and the author is unknown. It's titled, Back Home. If I had the power to turn back the clock and go back to that house at the end of the block, the house that was home when I was a kid, I know that I'd love it more now than I did. If I could be back there at my mother's knee and hear once again the things she told me, I'd listen now as never listened before for she knew so well what life had in store. And all the advice my dad used to give, his voice I'll remember as long as I live. But it didn't seem really important then what I'd give to live it all over again, what I'd give for the chance I, had, I once had to do so much more for my mom and my dad, to give them more joy and a little less pain, a little more sunshine, a lot less rain. But years roll on and I cannot go back, whether I was born in a mansion or a shack. I can start right now in the hour that's here and do something more for the ones I hold dear. And since time in its flight is traveling so fast, I can't spend it regretting that which is past. But I'll try to make tomorrow a happier day by doing my good unto others today. Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, you have given us the spiritual gift of living water. Help us to be mindful of all the gifts you have given us and to share those with others by letting them know the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.